Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right, welcome back to episode 47, the big four seven of Move the District. I am your host, Dr. Mike Yassen, and today on our show here, we have an awesome guest. She is the owner and founder of Good Sweat Cycle Studio, Northern Virginia's only social impact fitness studio. Please welcome to the show, Ali Hashemi. Ali, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm very excited. Congrats on 47. 47. I listened and it's amazing. I mean, you what you're doing is amazing and I'm so excited to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. This is, it, it's, it's crazy. I don't think I ever thought I would get to 47. I think I was telling you before we went live here that I like bought this uh, Yeti microphone to like hold myself accountable. And I thought like instead of three episodes, it might get me like 10 episodes. And, and now we just keep going. And I'm not quite sure. I still haven't figured it out. As you can tell, I was talking mid-sentence right there and I just took a sip of water. So <laughs> I, I still haven't quite figured out how to host a podcast, but slowly but surely I'm, I'm learning and it, you, it, one, one episode at a time. You're doing phenomenal. I've listened. It's an awesome podcast and I am a big believer in just building the plane as you're flying it. As most entrepreneurs will tell That's, you, that is just what you do. You know, you have a small business. You just got to kind of roll with it. Pull the trigger, ride the bullet. <laughs> That's, that's basically the name of the game here, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, it's a business, it's, yeah, it's just pull the trigger, ride the bullet and uh, see what happens. And here we are 47 episodes later, still cooking. Uh, Let's, let's get into it a little bit here. Let's get your story, your background here a little bit. Uh, When did you first make the jump into fitness? When did you know that you wanted to, to, you know, have fitness be more than a hobby? Yeah, that's a great start. I mean, I have quite a journey as I know all fitness entrepreneurs do. And most people, um, you know, it's never a straight line. That's the thing is you, you always kind of see from the outside, the straight line, but there's a lot of ups and downs and back and forth along the way. And so I actually took my first spin class in 2006 and I was, um, living in the Boston area. That's where I grew up. I came from a family of entrepreneurs and I was actually about to get my degree in social work. And before I uh, launched into that, I went to volunteer and I lived in Argentina for a few months and I was working in an orphanage. I had done work in adoption and there was a spin class. It's very random that I happened to find a spin class in the middle of nowhere in Argentina. And I thought it was really a great way to practice my Spanish and to have that mental health break because the work that I was doing and the field that I was in was, you know, very difficult mentally. So I took my first class. I fell in love with it immediately and I kept doing it. I kept doing it as I was studying social work. I still was really committed to my spin classes that I was taking in the Boston area. I had amazing instructors and it was so interesting because I found there was a big intersection of the mental health piece, which is how we'll get into good sweat. But I felt like it was so important, not just for my physical health, but for my mental health, for the work that I was in and the field that I was in. And I did spend consistently until I moved to DC in 2010, which feels like ages ago, but I moved and I started instructing. At that point, I thought, I feel like I can do this. Like I loved classes so much and I felt like 
I loved music. I loved inspiring people. I loved helping people. And I felt like this was something that was a great fit for me. So I started coaching. I started at Washington Sports Club right in DuPont. And I just couldn't get enough of it. And I felt like the more I taught, the more I could give back. I saw it as giving back. I mean, obviously I was getting paid, but I saw it as a way to create a community to help people take care of their health, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can still get, I, I don't think there's a sh- there's anything wrong with that, like getting paid and you're, you're still able to, to help people. You know, I think that's still a reasonable thing to, to do. Um, and then, and then, so you, you start teaching classes at uh, Washington sports clubs and then where does, where does good sweat come from? Where, where, where does the transition to, Hey, this is fun teaching classes, but Hey, let's teach classes and own a business. Yeah, I know. That is always the big making that leap is so scary and something all entrepreneurs deal with. But I got to the point where I had the idea for Good Sweat in around 2016. I was working at an amazing nonprofit that we still partner with called Urban Alliance. They do paid internships for youth in the area. And I loved it. I loved my job. I loved the aspect of giving back, but I was loving the spin classes, I was feeling drawn to it even more. And so I thought it was so interesting that there was nowhere that was a combination of social impact and fitness. And I remember researching, I found like one studio in, I want to say it was like Tennessee or it was some random location. And I was shocked that there weren't more places. I mean, what the beauty of fitness and and especially this community in DC is everyone is very charitable. So often you'll see um, different events that they're doing to raise money for charity, whether it's a, you know, all different kinds of events. So I love that, but I thought there needs to be a way to do this more consistently and make it kind of baked into the mission. So that way, if you miss the event, you still know that consistently my dollar is going back to local nonprofits and it's just kind of a part of what we do. And so I had that idea in summer 2016 and I told my job that I was going to be leaving in 2017. And it was a very scary conversation because I, I was nervous. I was really nervous to take that jump. I felt like, you know, I'm not, you know, rolling in it. So I felt like we need to save up money. Like I needed to figure out a, a way to get a loan and to figure out how to actually do the the nuts and bolts of it. But right. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I got to the point where I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I remember very distinctly, my husband saying, you know, you spend so much time telling people to go for it when you're on that bike and inspiring people to go for it. And if you don't do it yourself, you're essentially being a hypocrite. And I was Uh, like, oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're right. So then I was like, oh, he's so right. So that was kind of the kick that I needed. And he was like, we'll figure it out. You know, I have a job, we'll figure it out together. Like just quit and just do it. because I knew I had to be all in. I had remember meeting with entrepreneurs along the way and a lot of entrepreneurs kind of keep their day job and start the business simultaneously, which is extremely admirable and extremely tough. Um, I remember meeting with um, the founder of SolidCore, Anne. Anne, yeah. um, Told me, you know, pull out your own safety net from underneath you. Just pull it out. Because if you don't pull it out, the safety net, um, you know, you'll never know. Um, and so she also inspired me to just kind of get, get going. And so I, I left my job and I, I thought then that would happen. Then I would find the space immediately. We had a space that we were really excited about in 2017. Yeah. And then it fell through. Um, so that was tough. I didn't realize how difficult it would be to find the space. Mind you, during this whole period, I found out that we were expecting our first child oh my and gosh. it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. Yep. Um, we were thrilled, but the timing was just like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to open this and be a new mom for a first time? Um, oh. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so you, so your, is it your daughter, right? Was, mm-hmm. was born in 2018 then? Yep. She was born in 2018. Did that, how did that affect your, your grand plan? 
Well, it's really interesting because I feel like it wasn't even, sometimes it's like God works in mysterious ways. Like it wasn't even, I had this plan that was like, we've got to open, we've got to open. And then because the uh, space fell through, we had to keep looking and looking for spaces. So I will never forget that on the day I found our current space and we, we had found it before, but it was the day that I gave our final offer was the day that my labor began. It was April 13th, 2018. And I remember going to the space, talking to our realtor and I was like, okay, this is it. This is the space. Let's do it. Let's make our final offer. And I went to the doctor and they were like, you're in your labor is beginning. So I, and then it was three days of labor, but I, um, I, so I pulled the trigger on the space and then Gia was born, my daughter, and we, it took months to negotiate the lease. It took months. It took us from April until October to wow. actually, I don't know if you went through this with your space. I'm uh, a, a little breaking news here. I am, uh, I am going through that as we speak here. So, so we're, we've, we've started the process of looking for a standalone space and, um, it is, uh, yeah, it's a tedious one for sure. We haven't gotten to the point where we have a spot and we're still touring and, and looking and in that very, that discovery process. But yeah, it's uh, it's tedious and long for sure. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, you think you find it and then it doesn't work out and then you find another place that's even better. And like I said, like we didn't think we wanted to be in Rosalyn. We really were looking mostly in Boston. And my realtor was actually trying to get me to look outside of Arlington, but I knew I wanted to be in Arlington because I had run Urban Alliance in Arlington. I had seen the community. I had become more entrenched in just the whole vibe. And I knew that this was the right space for us because this is such a giving community. And this is a community that really rallies together for a good cause. And so when we found the space in Roslyn, I was kind of yeah, I, I just wasn't sure that it was it, but the more I thought about it and the more I looked at it and, you know, they really sold me on the parking, which again has been a lifesaver in COVID <laughs> with our outdoor operations, but it took until October to finally, so I had those first few months with my daughter, which was amazing. I was still working behind the scenes, but the space yeah. wasn't secured yet. And so then in October, we put the inked it, it was signed, construction began, and that's a whole other thing, which you'll get to go through. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, no. I think that's one of those things that I think when people get the idea that, hey, I want my own space, you know, whether it's, you know, health, fitness, whatever it might be, uh, you know, retail, you know, you, you're kind of a, it's, you know, from inside your head to the store actually happening is not as quick as you think it is going to be. You know, I think it's, okay it's one of those things where you go from you have your idea, whatever it might be, then you, you know, have to find your broker. Then with your broker, you have to tour the spaces. Then you have to find a space that you like. Then you have to, you know, get a proposal. Then you have to negotiate. Then you have to have construction. Then you got to get the permits. Then you got to finally open the doors. And then you got to have, then you got to make it, you know, succeed. (laughs) And you're exhausted. You're exhausted by that point. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the space we're in now, we, we rent space inside of um, district CrossFit and it's been a great, it's been a great relationship, but I think we're just, you know, growing at a, at a rate where, you know, I think we're, we're ready to expand out on our own. And and yeah, it, it was lucky. I got really lucky with this, with this spot because basically I had had the idea. I was the opposite of you. I went the safe route. This was my side hustle. So I was working downtown in DC and I knew I wanted to branch out and do my own thing. And at the time I was living up in Parkview, but I had just signed a lease to move down here to half street. And I was, you know, in the process and I listened, listened to another podcast, PT Pinecast, which is a, a PT podcast started by a Marymount student. And he was interviewing uh, Danny Matei, who ended up becoming my mentor, who's a PT based out of Atlanta. And he was like, my friend, Andrew, who owns District CrossFit, has been looking for a PT, but hasn't been able to find one. And I was like, well, I'm a PT looking for a gym. So all I did was give him a follow on Instagram. He followed me back and he sent me a message. He's like, you know, I've been looking for a PT. And I was like, I know. And, uh, And he invited me down to the spot 
where the gym is. And I had no idea because it's, you know, it's just this big warehouse gym that it was literally around the corner from where I was about to move. It was, you know, within a hundred feet of my new apartment. And I was just like, Oh, this is it. Here we are. And, you know, it's a big warehouse space. I have plenty of room to do running and there's plenty of equipment for, for lifting and jumping. And I can throw baseballs with guys. I can do all this stuff. And then I have a private build out on top of it where I have my own space with my private office here, uh, waiting room, treatment area. So I can do my own thing inside here too. And it just like, was just everything like clicked perfectly for me. Like I didn't even tour another space, which I probably should have <laughs> responsibly. I should have done a little bit more homework, but you know, everything just clicked. Uh, you know, I got, a, I get along really well with the owner of the gym. Like I said, it was super convenient for me because when I was working downtown, I was able to come here in the morning, treat people in the morning, six to 8 a.m., go downtown, come back home, treat people six to eight at night. And, you know, obviously then on weekends and it eliminated this need of a second, second commute. So it was just like, mm -hmm. I'd come home, drop my bag, walk over, treat, come home, eat dinner, go to sleep. And it was great for a while until I was working 16 hour days. And then I realized that, okay, we need to figure out, figure out something else. Yeah. Um, and slowly, slowly I like, you know, cut back my hours to, I, I quit that full-time job, took it a part-time job, slowly peeled my hours back and then finally jumped. And realistically, I wish I had jumped to hell a lot sooner. Like I wish, I wish I had just gone moral story here is basically, I wish I had jumped sooner just because I, I, I really thought I needed like more, I need this safety blanket and I needed to have a, a nest egg and I needed to, you know, have all these things in place so that I could support myself. And the reality of the situation was, I already had it and I just didn't know it. Yeah. And, and that was, that was the big thing for me. Cause when I, when I quit my full-time job and went to the part-time job, they were telling, they told me I was going to get paid per patient. And I showed up on the first day and they had no patience for me. They told me they had patience for me, but then I showed up and they had no one on my schedule. He's like, I don't really have any patience for you. And I was like, you told me you had a need for me. You told me you're going to pay me per patient. And now there's nobody. You gotta be yeah. kidding me. And yeah. so then we like renegotiated things. They're going to pay me hourly, which is fine. And, and, and then within two weeks, my schedule just like blew up here at big league. And I was like, all right, well, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done this. And, and, you know, I ended up only doing four months, four months at that part-time job. It was like May through September. Mm -hmm. And on my last day, um, the guy who, who owned the other PT place was like, well, Mike, uh, thanks for, thanks for working the summer for us. And I was like, I was like, yep. That's, that was about it. I was like, sorry, just the, the way it happened. And, uh, you know, I, I feel, I feel bad that I was only able to work that place for four months, but that was what happened. You know, I, I, I wish I had taken that jump and cause, uh, cause after a month or two of working at that second place, I, it hit me. I was like, I'm missing phone calls. I'm delaying emails. I'm not sending home exercise programs to people. I'm falling behind on these things all because I can get paid whenever I was getting made $50 an hour, something, something like that, whatever it was, you know, for four hours where I was like, obviously I can do better for myself, you know, if I just dedicate this to the business and, and yeah, it like, it hit me and I was like, what am I doing? And it felt like I was literally wasting my time before I was like, okay, this is, this has gotten to be too much. Yeah. I mean, but sometimes it takes that, it takes that time to build up, you know, your faith in yourself. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it is a financial question. And I think, you know, not a lot of folks talk about that. And it's, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like I inherited a million dollars and I could just start a business. I had to apply for loans and, you know, we had to um, do a lot of things in terms of cutting back and really budgeting and, making sure that it was affordable and it was realistic, but it does take time again, unless you have huge investors, it takes time to become profitable. You know, the first few years of the business are always the hardest and for a brick and mortar, you're digging yourself out of it. You know, you just spent all this money on construction and um, it takes time to build a clientele. It takes time. So, you know, the first year was for sure our hardest and our second year has been hard in a different way, but the first year, it just, all you're doing is trying to get the word out, trying to make sure people know about you because you know, once they come in, they'll love it. It's just getting them there, making sure that they uh, understand your mission and that the people bring their friends. And so we did a ton of pop-ups at the beginning. We did pop-ups before we even opened our doors. We did something at The View in DC. We did 
pop-ups in Roslyn, just trying, we went to different apartment buildings to just try and make sure people knew that we were coming, we're coming, like, please, please come over and try us. <laughs> you know? Like you have to beg people to get in the door at the beginning. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, totally. What were you guys doing like pre-opening up? Cause I think a lot of times people that you open up a business, you hang your shingle out front and you just expect people to come through. What were you doing pre-launch to get people? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was building up our reputation. So using the networks that I had been fortunate enough to build from being an executive director in the Arlington area to begin with. So starting with the chamber, trying to make sure people knew about us through there, then going to all the apartment buildings and tabling and giving out free classes, then um, blasting all the businesses in the area. We're really lucky. I mean, pre-COVID, we're really lucky that there's so many businesses in Roslyn that want to do sweat working, as we call it, where you network and you come together as a team and spin and then have some juice and whatever. So we, we found all of the businesses and we would table at, the, at those places and try and get people to come that way. Social media was big. We really tried to get as many folks as we could through that. That's how a lot of people find us. Um, and then word of mouth. And then as soon as we had those first, you know, it's really those first hundred people that come through your doors. Those are your people. Those are the people who are taking a risk on you and then fall in love with it, you know, really buy into the mission, start to write reviews, you know, getting five-star reviews and all of the sites has been huge for us because people say, oh, I heard about you and I looked you up and I saw you had great reviews because when you're brand new and you don't have a brand name, that's what people do, right? They rely on reviews and word of mouth. So that's what we had to do before we even opened to get the headway that we're talking about. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, totally. That that makes sense. Yeah, the, 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 the 100 first 100 people through I feel like I've I've heard that in like a book somewhere or or something where it's like you know like something the, I saw the I first yeah like yeah. the first 100 people like make or break your business or, or something something like yeah. that where you know and, and and that's true like I mean I think you know even now you know three and a half years later um you know there's still people that I that I work with you know the our very you know the very first person who I saw here at big league she she still comes in uh, you know, to this day and, uh, you know, someone who we work with, you know, on a maintenance basis, but it's, you know, those hundred people are the, you know, yeah, that, that really forms the base of like who you're going to be, which I think is, which I think is awesome. Um, now you guys, I love, cause on your website, you guys have your, you know, your like your mission here where it's like, we are more than a cycling studio. You know, we're a fit fam. We offer an experiential journey focused on progress, not perfect. I love how you kind of take everybody through all the, I feel like those are all the like main fears that are associated with taking a fitness class. Like if you go to a fitness class and I always like liken it to like a runaway train because you, you go to a, a workout class, whether it's spin or boot camp or, you know, whatever. And it feels like everybody around you knows what they're doing. And you're like running a million miles an hour trying to catch up to that train. And then you finally get on and you're like, Oh, Oh, I made it. You know, and, and, and like, you know, but like that first, you know, whatever it is the first session, the first class or first couple classes, you know, whether it's, you know, just because like everyone around you looks like they know what they're doing or because you've never done it before. There's always like this, like fear that goes into like that first class at a new student, even if you've done a spin class before or a boot camp class before, whatever it is, you, there's that first like apprehension that goes into that first session. And, and, you know, what, what are the ways you're going about trying to ease those fears? Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's so true. I think because I've, you know, I came from my whole life has been about building community. Really, it's been so important to me to take care of our first timers. And so when we finally opened our doors in April of 2019, I was really, uh, really concerned with making sure that everyone who came in had the best experience because there's a lot of competition out there. First of all, like you can take a spin class in a lot of different places. You can go take an, any sort of fitness class and we want to stand out. And so the way we stand out is creating that family atmosphere, but also creating that truly authentic welcoming atmosphere. Cause I think it's easy to say, Oh, we have a great community. We're really welcoming, but then when push comes to shove, are you really, truly 
um, not intimidating? Are you really truly holding hands for that person's first ride and making sure that they do feel comfortable, that their bike is set up? You know, it starts even before they get there, that you're preparing them. What do you need to bring to class? You know, that you're DMing them and that, you know, you follow us on Instagram for tips, how to set up your bike, how to clip in, you know, that's so scary for so many people. Oh, I still (laughs) struggle with clipping in, not going to lie. Still struggle to this day. Even if you've done it a million times, sometimes people struggle and it can be really intimidating and embarrassing if you're trying to just get going um, and it can turn people off. So we have, we've really focused. I mean, it's a credit to our squad. Our staff is amazing. I've been so fortunate with who I've been able to hire and attract to work for us that they are the most caring and authentic and genuine people. And they really want to see you succeed. So even our co- starting with our coaches, obviously, who set the tone for the whole class, we are really focused on the experience and making it a positive and fun one. So we don't have screens inside. We're not focused as much on the metrics. It's not competitive. It's more you versus yourself. If you want to compete with yourself, great. No one else is really worried about what you're doing. They're not looking at your numbers, you and the bike, and that's it. And that's that mental health piece. So there's no intimidation. There's no competition with numbers. And it's really about holding that space for you as a new rider to get you set up and to then to follow up and to find out how did it go? How can we make it better? And I've been really committed to knowing everyone's name making people feel seen. And that is when I'm a new rider or a new going to a new place, that's what's going to make me come back. And so we do that with every single one of our clients. Yeah. I mean, I think just getting people as comfortable as possible. I think, you know, the book, how to win friends and influence people. That's like one of my favorite, like go-to books. Uh, But yeah, it's just like getting to know people's name, like saying someone's name, like, like the two things I, I make a point of is like saying someone's name three times during a session and then like spending the first five minutes of the session, just being like, how's it going? What's new? How's life? Cause I can't tell you how many times people come into the office here and they're like, I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Well, my back hurts. I'm like, okay. How's life before we get to your back, you know, and let's, let's talk about life. How's life. And then, and that's when you get to uncover things like the, you know, work stress or life stress or, you know, travel, or what, you know, whatever it might be. And they'd be like, well, I did, you know, Orange Theory five times this past week. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, and then you get you get to learn, you know, a little bit more about them. Just you know, one as a person, but two as in like, well, what else is underlying here that we are able to get to the bottom of deeper than just like you know your physical activity for the week. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think getting to know people and like having them, you know, just felt like feel like you know them. I think that's the best thing. And I think like for me, like one of my goals with Big League is to make it like the cheers of physical therapy, you know, like, like I want people to come in here and be like, Hey Mike, how's it going? You know? And, and like, and that, that way, like it be, you know, they're comfortable and like, you know, we have like an open floor plan here. So like, you know, uh, Zoe are the physical therapist. She'll be working with someone. I'll be working with someone and, and, you know, they can kind of like, uh, be like, Oh, you're doing that while well, I'm doing this. And, and it just, it, you know, grows into, you know, something where like everyone's like excited to be there, you know, cause I think, you know, physical therapy, unlike spin class, uh, has always been a grudge purchase. And it's always been one of those things where it's like, oh, I have to go to physical therapy. I have to do this. And it's never exciting. It's never fun. And so my mission is like how to make it fun. Because I think, uh, you know, on top of it being like a nerve wracking experience, it's just like a flat out boring experience for a lot of people. So it's like, how do we make it fun for people and exciting so that they actually want to come here instead of being like, well, I have to come here because my doctor said so. Right. And so that's our mission is, is changing it so that it's like, people look forward to coming to it and it's not something they, they dread, which I mean, I think is something that you see too, that people, you know, come into the studio and they, there, there's like a, not everybody is, is super pumped to be there. I mean, yes, honestly, I think it's about creating a fun environment and an environment where you feel like your family. I mean, I came from a family business, so I want it to feel like a small family business and you can accomplish that when you are a small business And that way people feel celebrated, feel seen. You know, I do talk to writers all the time before and after class. And I know so much about, you know, I know um, because it is a physical activity. So, you know, their health issues, you know, what they're going through at home. You know, if they just got laid off from a job, you know, uh, whatever they're going through, you get to hear it. And that's why there's such a strong connection, I think, to the mental health piece and why my background in social work led so naturally into spin and fitness because it is a holistic approach where 
yes, we do want you to be physically fit. And yes, we do want you to, you know, tone your muscles. That is important. And that's probably why a lot of you are here. But what's even more important is how you feel when you leave the endorphins, what it's inspiring you to do when you exit class. And so we want you to feel a part of the family. We want you to feel celebrated. We do milestones and birthdays. And, you know, it's really shown that, you know, right before we were about to celebrate our one year birthday ourselves was when the pandemic started. And so we were limited in our celebrations, but it really showed how much the community came together is what that's awesome. So a year ago, COVID happens. Everything's totally normal. Nothing changed. (laughs) You guys just kept on trucking along, right? Is that that how it went? Yeah. This must be so interesting when you're interviewing people because of how it turns everything upside down. So people, it's so interesting to see how people have responded. And yeah. I know it's my own personal experience. And then I, I, I mean, I feel like this is like a question. It's such a, it's such a great question to literally ask on every podcast because everyone has a different story and it's super interesting. Yeah. How everyone has dealt with it has been so telling. I almost feel like you've seen people for better, or for worse, you've seen people's true colors. You've seen businesses, true colors. It's been a very revealing year. For sure. And for us, it has been in the positive sense where, again, we were just about to celebrate our one year in April and we were planning for it. And then I will never forget. It was March 14th. It was a Saturday. And then we held our last classes on the 15th. And I realized, you know, I was like, well, maybe we'll just cut down in size and spread everyone out and we'll figure this out. And then it was just like, it was bam, it was out of nowhere and we had to shut down. And so for us, it was, we, we shut down immediately before the governor even mandated it. Actually, we shut down a week early because we were keeping up with the science. We saw what was about to happen. And as a, as an organization whose mission is health, it was really important to us to keep health. I just, this whole year, I've just been like, we, our priority is keeping our clients healthy, no matter what that means, whether that's spin, whether that's COVID, our priority is keeping our clients healthy. And so everything that we did this past year was informed by how what's the best decision to keep our clients healthy and i think they really appreciated that and we built a really strong trust with them because of it because when we shut down we immediately got online it was it was immediate it was that monday we had classes our our coaches said we'll do it we'll hop in front of the computer we've never done zoom classes before we're going to figure it out we'll create an account we'll just push it out to our riders and see who shows up people showed up because no one knew what was going on so we did the virtual and at the same time we immediately started renting out our bikes because as a business owner, it was survival mode. It was so scary because I didn't know how long we were going to be closed. I didn't know how, how I was going to pay these bills as a brand new business. I did not have any sort of savings built up again. We weren't profitable. So it was really one of those moments where it was like, well, what is not glued to the wall that I can somehow get cash flow from? So we started renting our bikes out and it was crazy because so many people said, oh, that was so innovative. And I, you know, it was on the news and we had so many other companies follow suit, which is great. But to me, it wasn't, it really wasn't innovative. Honestly, it was really uh, fight or flight. Um, and for us, we were like, we're not going to go down without a fight. So we're going to rent these bikes out. We did virtual classes on the bike, off the bike for months. And it was amazing how many people showed up for them. It was amazing that to celebrate our one year anniversary, we did a big burpee challenge and everyone did tons of burp. I don't even know the numbers. It was thousands and thousands of burpees and raised thousands and thousands of dollars for good sweat to help us through this time because the bills were still coming and I had no way to pay them. So it was just amazing to see the community rally and to do the virtual thing, even though we had no idea what we were doing, to be totally honest. Right. I think that's, that's kind of going back to the the start here, pulling the trigger, ride the bullet. And and you just kind of see, see what happens. And I think, Oh, I think, you know, there's something, you know, about like, I think the best entrepreneurs are able to just kind of react and, 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 you know, make decisions. And it's not so much of a, how's this going to affect us in a year, five years. It's just, Hey, like, this is what's best for us right now. Let's go. Let's do this. And, yeah, and I, that's, that's what, what, what you needed to do. Yeah, exactly. It was just flying by the seat of your pants. And so 
it, it saved us. The bike rental saved us. The burpee challenge saved us, got us through this really rocky time. And again, I think clients appreciated how true to our mission we were being. So even throughout all of this, we were being true to our mission of health and safety and we were being true to our mission of social impact. So end of May, when everything happened with George Floyd and everything leading up to that, we were still really focused on giving back. We were supporting Black Lives Matter. We were doing drives for um, protests. We were doing all these different initiatives. We were matching donations that people were, were pouring in. And so we felt like if we can just focus on our mission and stay focused on one, everyone's health and safety to our social impact mission, because it would have been really easy for me to just say, hey, we don't really have any money coming in right now, so we're not going to donate anything. But I felt like that would have been a cop out. And I felt like that would have been, um, you know, keep not keeping true to our mission. So it really showed me uh, how strong our staff was to be able to withstand that period. And then showed me how strong our mission was that so many people were still giving because they knew part of it was going back to a good cause. That's awesome. Now, when it comes to, cause I know you guys have like featured charities. How do you guys decide which charities are the ones you're gonna use? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we get a lot from clients and from staff. We really pull pretty regularly on our social media channels, just through conversations with riders. Riders will send us ideas like, hey, have you heard about this group? They're doing great work. Um, you know, originally I came from the nonprofit world, so I knew a lot of great causes that were very mission driven. So that's how we started was with those. And then we also just try and cover every single different topic. So we try and do something for, you know, there's nonprofits that are for food insecurity. There's nonprofits for animals. There's nonprofits about the environment. So we're trying to- A lot of nonprofits. Yeah. Trying to get them and we want them to be local and we want them to be um, really connected and tied into our mission. So that's how we select. And then if there's like a you know, it's Sexual Assault Awareness Month right now. So we're doing Men Can Stop Rape, which is a wonderful organization in DC. So if there's, you know, kind of a month or something or like a holiday that's tied in, we try and work it in that way too. That's awesome. And so is it basically like a percentage of your revenue every month will then go towards that? Is that, is that how that works? Yeah, exactly. And so our first year we were able to donate over $5,000 to 20 nonprofits. And then our second year, it was over $4,000, but it was to 25 nonprofits. And obviously we wanted it to be more, but with COVID, it was like our bottom line went way down. So, um, but this year we are on track to do even more, which is really exciting. And we really are drawn to the mission because we feel like it means so much more like when people spend money on fitness in a lot of cases, people will say, you know, I'm feeling selfish doing this, which is a whole other can of worms, but it's kind of like for people who are spinning or taking the time to spend something, it's not cheap to take a spin class. And we're very aware of that. And we're trying to um, also have options for people who maybe can't afford it. But I think if you're going to spend money on a spin class, it feels that much better to spend it on a place where you know a percentage is going back to a good cause. And so that's been what a lot of our writers have said is that we're so happy that we know that we're giving back to the community every time. Well, I think it's, I think it's how you, correct me if I'm wrong here, how you differentiate yourself from other spin studios. Because I think, you know, if you go in and you're just like, we want to play our, our fun, upbeat music and we want to dance on our bike and you, you know, you, you kind of get lost. The, the soul cycle's there already. You know, the cycle bars are there already. Like, you know, they have these spin studios that are established through the mega corporate giants. And how does the mom and top, mom and pop shop, uh, you know, create a, a space in the market for for themselves? I, I think this is one of those ways that you're able to do that. You're exactly right. It was one of our biggest differentiators. You know, I think when I was creating Good Sweat, I thought of a couple of things. How are we going to be different, like you said, than all the other bigger chains? And for us, it was we're going to give you a really amazing inspirational workout with phenomenal coaches with top of the line bikes with amazing customer service those were all kind of our top things and as a part of that another piece of that 
of the um, of the mission was that you're also going to give back. And so I think some people maybe come for that reason and then stay because they realize how awesome the workout is or vice versa. Maybe they come because they just want a good workout and then they stay because they're like, oh, this is such a, a mission driven organization I want to be a part of. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that makes sense. I think if you, you keep just going up against those those big corporate giants, it's it's a it's a no win. It's a no win situation. There has to be something that differentiates you, whether it's whether it's for better or for worse. Uh, you have to find something that that makes you stand out. And I think this is exactly it. You know, I look at the other, you know, local, uh, you know, studios here in DC. I mean, I include myself in that too. Like, how do you make yourself stand out versus the corporate? You know, for us, it's someone like a like a pivot or even a GW or Georgetown Hospital Center. You know, how do you stand out against them? And and the I think you know having a mission, you know, you know, having a mission driven business, you know, having something that's, that's really customer, customer focused and, and giving them the time that they want and, and the effort that you can spend that effort to get to know them. I think that's where you, you know, create those relationships that become long lasting. And like you said, the first 100 customers see that they're going to turn into lifetime customers. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think something else that we're really good at is like I said, rallying the community together. So as we're coming up on our second year anniversary, we are doing a huge fundraiser um, and we had clients make teams together. They picked their nonprofits, coaches are leading the teams and they've raised over $7,000 on their own. And it's been amazing to see um, and it's culminating this Sunday on a big day and we're gonna have a big celebration and a DJ and we're gonna have local vendors. And I think something that has been a benefit of being outside, honestly, since July, we, we reopened in July. I should have mentioned that we reopened in July last year, all mm-hmm. outside, hundred percent outside. And we've never, we haven't been inside since eventually oh. we'll go back inside, but yeah. we've been outside and it's been amazing because people walk by and they see us and they're like, I never knew what good sweat was, which Extra kind exposure. of breaks, yeah. right, right. Which kind of makes me happy to hear like, oh, this is great that now we're getting free advertising just being out here. Um, And so we've attracted so many people who have come since we've been outside who have never been inside. They've never seen what it looks like inside. And so we've had hundreds of more clients sign up because they they wanted – something for themselves to do during COVID to get outside. You know, they wanted to do something that felt safe. You know, all our bikes are 10 feet apart. We're really serious about our COVID protocol and they wanted to be a part of something where they could see people, you know, we haven't seen people for oh, so long, 100%. right? Personal. I mean, people, I, I think some people come in here just so they can talk to another human being in person, <laughs> I swear to God. You know, exactly. And, and, and that that's like, a, that's, a, that's a really big thing is like opportunity to be around people. How did you guys, Excuse me, how did you guys handle the cold weather? Oh, man. I mean, I have had so many decision points this year that I hope I never have to go through again. But that was a huge one was in December when I took the time to pull. I'm constantly pulling our riders because I never want to make a decision based on what I think. I really will always want things to come from them because they're my number one priority. So I asked a bunch of our regular riders, hey, how are you feeling about the winter? Are you going to brave the cold? Are you going to come inside? Tell me honestly. And the majority of them said, we do not want to come inside right now. And truthfully, I was a little relieved because I also felt like that was a lot of pressure to figure out how to make it work indoors when there were still so many unknowns with, there were so many unknowns. Oh, totally. Yeah. So I just said, okay, if you're going to brave it outside, our coaches are going to brave it outside. We're going to brave it outside. We're here for you. And attendance certainly went down. Certainly. We had to cancel so many classes. We set the threshold. This is funny. We set the threshold at, oh gosh, I think it was 30 degrees, real fill 30 degrees. And I said, I'm using AccuWeather. And there are so many mornings where I would be texting with the coach like, hey, it's real feel um, 21, but there's 15 people signed up. Are you, how are you feeling? And, you know, the coaches are like, yeah, I'll be there. Like they are so committed. And otherwise, you know, I would hop on the bike. I'm not trying to put them through the elements if they can't do it. Um, But so many people still signed up, even though our numbers were low, we got heaters. And then once we hit like March was really when it started to warm up again. And we saw so many riders who we haven't seen since the fall and they're back. And, now it's it's really picking up again, which is amazing. 
Do you have any idea of when you think you'll be back in the studio? That's a great question too. I, the one thing that might move us back in if we need to is the cicadas that are allegedly coming. <laughs> Feels like it's the plague, right? That oh it's my just God. Like, yeah. Cicadas. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Never stop. So we do have a contingency plan for if that is, as um, predicted, as rough as people are saying it's going to be, we don't want to put riders through that. But like I said, we're going to be outside if they are, if, as long as they keep signing up, we will show up for them. If they're going to brave it outside, we will brave it outside with them through that time period. And, um, and then we'll start planning again for when we move inside. We have no idea what that will look like for like more long-term, but right. Right now, the weather's so nice. We're just trying to take it week by week. The 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 three weeks of spring that we get here in the DMV. Yes, <laughs> it is a beautiful spring. I mean, we're it's very a beautiful lucky. spring. It just it's very short. That's all. <laughs> it's three. You're right. It's three weeks, and it's like then it's over. By Memorial Day, it's blazing hot. Exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's when we reopened was last July fourth, and I thought, oh my gosh, is anyone going to come? The real feels ninety five and people were excited. Like we were just talking about to socialize, to just, it's that mental health piece. That's why I keep coming back to mental health is that we're so much more than a spin studio is mm -hmm. we are really focused on improving people's mental health and just having that connection with people helps you mentally just to build those relationships and to feel like you're a part of something. And so, so many people were so thrilled to come back in July and just see each other and reconnect and, and be a part of the community. Yeah. I mean, they'll take their sunburn They'll take their heat stroke and all in the name of uh, some social interaction just tells you about who we are as human beings. I think. <laughs> That's right. We need each other. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're getting down to it here. The last few minutes, I got a, uh, a few more questions for you. Uh, what's the, uh, what's the last book you've, uh, you've read? Oh my gosh. I read, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it. It was for our book club, Such a Fun Age. That's what it was called, Such okay. a Fun Age. And I don't want to give it away, but we have a book club that we started right around uh, this time last year, actually. And we've been focused on uh, reading women BIPOC authors. And so this book was selected by our our um, our writers and we read it and had a book club session. And I highly highly recommended. I don't want to give anything away, but such a fun age. It's, um, a novel. Okay, cool. Excellent. I like it. Uh, what do you watch on TV these days? Uh, what are we watching? We're always trying to find, I wasn't to Bridgerton as everyone was. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and now that, um, the second season, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch, but, we were trying to, um, we're out, my husband and I are always trying to find something that we both want to watch together. We watch This Is Us a lot. We started watching that uh, a while too sad ago. For me. Too sad for it's me. such a tearjerker, but we watch it every week and it's just like, we look forward to it oh, and it's, it's so sappy, but we love it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, now you've lived in D the DC area now for how many years? I guess 10, 10 years. Yeah. 2010 was when I moved here. Woo, 20, uh, 11 years. Yeah. So what's one thing you think everybody should experience here in DC? Oh man, that's another great question. <sighs> one thing, I mean, can I say an outdoor spin ride? <laughs> can I say an outdoor spin? <laughs> Something that is- Something that's I'm, not, it can't be related to good sweat. Okay. Something that I think everyone and you can't experience. say like go for a walk with the monument. You can't say that either. That's you know, come on, it's lame. Too, yeah, that's too DC ish. Um, you know, I used to live in Dupont Circle, and I really did love all the restaurants in that area. I don't know okay. if I can name just one. I mean, I would say there is a place called Bagels, etc. I don't know if people have been there. Bagels, etc. Okay. Yeah, if you haven't had bagels, et cetera, or like busboys and poets was another one of my favorite places. Not, it's not in DuPont, but I would say those are my top few places to, Does that to get a good your, brunch. Your Northeast bagel fix. Is that, is that what that is? Yes. I'm always on the hunt for a good bagel. And that was to me, that was, that was the best. And you just got to do, you know, you got to support local and do a good brunch. So is that, so that's your top bagel in, in DC? Is that the verdict? Yeah. Do you have another one that you want to well, let's see. I mean, uh, call your mother is the the popular mm. trendy one that everyone uh, everyone loves. I'm a 
I'm also a fan of um, Buffalo and Bergen and um, Bethesda Bagel. Oh, I've not, you know, there is Bethesda Bagel in Roslyn, so I do go there. Um, I like the bro- flagel. I, like, I get like the flagel, like the flat bagel. Yeah. Because they're a little fluffy, but they're still pretty good. So you get like a flagel yeah. or you get like the regular bagel like scooped out. And that's the, that's the ticket. I, uh, as, as a New Yorker here, I, I think bagels are something that I've come to. I don't think I, I, I think I, maybe I took it for granted when I lived in New York. Uh, it was just like, oh, everyone's got good bagels. And then you move down here and you're like, oh, actually I eat bagels more than I realized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it isn't as easy to find a good bagel around here. So yeah, those places you listed are, are really good. And that's so great that you're from New York. I appreciate you not, um, giving me crap on my sports teams. Thank you. Oh um, yeah. Well, I mean, well, well, the, uh, New York Yankees are currently in last place and, and, uh, and the Mets are in first place, but they are about to collapse. I'm inevitably, I'm sure. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a diehard Mets fan, unfortunately. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough life. And I always say, <laughs> you know, the Mets life chose me. I didn't choose the Mets life. And, and I've been, I've been stuck here. Uh, as a suffering Mets fan uh, for, I don't know how many years now, but yeah, it's, it's not a great life. Um, but I, I, did, <laughs> I, don't... I, I did work for the Yankees. And, and so I, I feel like I have like the in there to be like a supporter of the Yankees as well. Just unfortunately not nearly as much as uh, I do being a Mets fan. I don't think people understand when you're from New York or Boston, like you said, it doesn't, it chooses you. The teams choose you. You don't get to choose your team. So it's definitely just kind of in your blood. <laughs> and, 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 I think that's one of the things that people don't understand here. And I'll go talk a little crap on, on Washington here is that people are like, Oh, well you live here now. Shouldn't you just be a nationals fan? I'm like, no, it doesn't no. work that way. No, it does not work that way. Well, is it potential that my, my children are, are nationals fans, DC sports fans? Sure. But for me, no, 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 It's, 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 I've been chosen. I've been chosen as a Mets fan, unfortunately. I you understand. Know? So, so it is what it is. And so, yeah, I appreciate you uh, sticking to your, your, your native fanhood because yeah, I think people come in like, Oh, I'm a Nats fan, but I'm also from Cleveland. So I like the Indians <laughs> No, and I like the Padres cause their mascot's cool. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. This, no. Is, this is, this is it. This is it. This is, oh, there's only one team. That's it. Sorry guys. That's it. I'm uh, with you. You'd I'm be like, you. Oh, you like baseball. You live close to the stadium, big league. No. Nah, sorry. Sorry, Nats. No. <laughs> I, uh, just, it's just not going to happen. Sorry. Uh, anyway, on that note, Allie, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to find you, they want to go to Good Sweat, where can they find you guys? Well, thank you for having me. This was a wonderful um, opportunity, so I really appreciate it. And you can always find us on Instagram is where most of our social stuff is. We do a ton of posting. It's Good Sweat Studio all one word. Uh, I am cycle with Allie. So that is also, you can follow me on Instagram there. And then our website is just goodsweat.co. And so, and also if they want to find us on Facebook, Twitter, it's all the same good sweat studio, but um, I highly recommend they follow us on Instagram if they're listening to this so they can uh, come ride with us in the lot. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds good. And you have your uh, anniversary this, this, this weekend. Yep. Our anniversary is on Sunday, two years. We're having a big celebration. We have vendors, uh, local black women owned vendors, uh, an amazing female DJ, a food truck. So people can stop by the rides are full, um, from the teams, but they can definitely stop by and support us and, um, they know where to find us. Yeah. We're right there on Wilson Boulevard in Roslyn. Excellent. Well, Allie, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, we're definitely going to get over to good sweat soon. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to BigLeaguePerformanceAndRehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.